0: if you're looking to get more engagement and more reach with your posts and have more effective marketing, let me ask you, what's been the thing that's allowed you to follow other people? For all the people that you love following, love engaging with, what's the underlying factor? What's the underlying current? I'm sure you can see at some level, they had effective conscious communication that resonated with you. They had a Uh, they said something in a video or wrote something in an article or blog that resonated with you. So the question is, are you doing the same for your marketing? Are you effectively and consciously going into your communication and saying, what is it that I need to do that lands with my audience? Or are you doing what most struggling business owners are doing, just doing the spray and pray kind of marketing, just hoping something lands? Well, that's why we have Wendy Cordner here. Wendy's going to walk you through all the tips, tricks, advice on how you can effectively work on your marketing in a way that's conscious and as a way that she describes as conscious communication. So what you're going to learn here is one, why it's so goddamn important to work on your effective communication. Two, how to present your communication consciously in a way where people actually hear what you're saying. Three, you're going to learn the seven pillars of conscious communication. And four, how to overcome all of the fears with Getting out there and sharing your message. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Awaken Your Business podcast. My name's Tyson Sharp. And if it's also your mission to heighten consciousness, yes, you are a light worker. And it's in this podcast where you execute that heart's mission by integrating your spiritual and business growth. This is what I call stepping into the role of the heart centered CEO. This is the version of you who knows the numbers. You know how to grow an audience. You know how to create more impact and more income. But every business strategy is done through the filter of love, compassion, consciousness, and contribution. So when you're ready, take a deep breath and I'll see you on the inside. Hello, my online family. Welcome back to another episode of the Awaken Your Business podcast. I have Wendy Cordner here. We're going to discuss everything in terms of conscious communication. And of course, if you're in business, this is one of your main focus. This is, the, this is really the key. I, I always share my clients. Before we talk about vibration, when we're talking about the business side of things, I think 80 to 90% of your success is coming from your communication and coming from your offer. And if you mm-hmm. aren't consistently working on your communication, working on your messaging, working on your niche and saying, okay, is this aligning with the people? Then you're basically just putting some spaghetti on the wall and just seeing seeing what sticks. And it's not a very effective manner in which you're able to create a business that's aligned and in a way that is uh, profitable. And so Wendy, I'm going to read out your bio in a second, but it's a pleasure Mm -hmm. to have you here. And it's a pleasure to have you in the serving circle and everything you do for us. We definitely appreciate it but I'll quickly read your bio. So those who don't know you, first of all, what the hell? Second of all, uh, (laughs) you can understand a little bit more about her. So Wendy Cordner. So with a background in speech pathology, Wendy uh, created her startup company, gaining international exposure and recognition, assisting those in leadership positions to create presentations to grow and scale their impact and influence. So her clients from all across the world have been able to increase their confidence and influence in their conversation. And as a result, be headhunted for key roles, negotiated significantly higher bonuses for their staff and secured financial banking when the company was on the line delivered at TEDx. So Wendy uses accelerated learning techniques to re-engineer your message in a way your target audience can hear and wants to hear. So she works In a done with you and done for you approach to craft that ideal message to market. So, drawing from her years of uh, years as a speech pathologist, to deliver it in a confidently uh, and confidently for maximum impact and influence. So, if you're all about impact and influence, this is for you. So, Wendy, how are you doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Tyson. Thank you very much for having me.
0: My pleasure. So, I'll give you the space right now to share. How did you get into all of this? Obviously, it's a key aspect of business. It's something that Mm -hmm. business owners know they need to work on. How did you get into all of this work in mastering this within yourself?
1: Okay. Well, come with me on a journey back to a little two-year-old. Back in the 60s, giving my age away there, parents were not allowed to stay in hospital with their children. And I had to have surgery. So I remember the double doors closing when I was only two, with my mother on one side and me on the other. I remember it screaming for my mum and she didn't come for me. At that point, I gave that meaning that my voice didn't matter, that I didn't matter. That meaning that I attached to that, that story that went with that feeling has coloured life from there on in. As a teenager, I was considering what I wanted to be when I grew up, what I wanted to do when I left school. And I always wanted to do something vaguely medical and didn't quite have the, the know-how to do the maths, physics, and chemistry required for medicine. Okay, what was I going to do instead? I know I'll be a speechie, because that way I'm working with people with communication, which is something I've always, always done. I mean, I even uh, devised my own language when I was a child. So we had that, that that was what came out of it. I was going to be a speech pathologist. And then it's only in hindsight that I've reviewed with the the meaning that I put to that original me, that that original um, incident, that my voice didn't matter. And I was jolly well gonna make sure that everybody else's voice did matter. So not only was I working as a speech pathologist, but I was also working with people who had disabilities, who really were minority who really were not able to be heard unless somebody supported them to do that. So that's the background that I've had for nearly 30 years as a, as a, a practicing speechy. I then came over to Australia and decided, you know what, this is, there's more to this than what I'm actually doing. I was gently kicked out of the nest into coaching and then thought, well, what is it that I'm really good at? What am I really passionate about? And that was where the the conscious communication idea came from, because that's where we're going with business. If you can be very clear about how you're communicating to your ideal audience consciously, so everything aligns. And as we know, it's all about the alignment between head and heart. And if I can just carry on for two seconds longer, Tyson, where does the energy go between head and heart? through your voice. So that's why that's where I came to this position from.
0: Hmm. Powerful. What does it feel like to you when you're speaking from head and heart, when you know you're, when you know you're integrating those energies and it's coming through your voice? What, is that, what does that feel like? How does someone know when that is aligned for them?
1: It flows. It flows and also the resonance of your voice is easy there's not the the tightness there's not the clip tones or the edge on the voice i don't know whether you can hear the difference now because what i've done is actually tighten my tighten the muscles around here so when you are in flow when head and heart match you're all in alignment the voice flows the resonance is there and your clients or your audience are going "Ha! she gets me she's speaking my language And that connection, that rapport, that deep
0: connection is there. Totally. Uh, And for everyone who's listening, maybe to even review a time in the past where they've heard a message, they've heard some communication written or verbal that they knew was resonating with them, where they had Mm -hmm. that same response in themselves that said, this person gets me Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and reviewing that in their head and saying okay well that's the time and when i felt that how can i portray that within my audience right that would yes. be really cool so what are some things in which people can ask themselves to start on this journey let's say they're a coach or they're a business owner and they're starting to get their message out there and they've played around a little bit with their languaging and how they how they're meant to do their marketing on social media and these sort of things what mm-hmm. are some what are some key ways that you work with clients and just starting out and getting on this journey of being more conscious with their communication? Sure.
1: Well, I have a framework, which I've called the seven pillars of influential communication. And the first question we ask is, what's your purpose? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Why is this so important to you? And if you can nail that in your head, why, why am I saying this? What, why is this, this business so important to me? And why is my message therefore really important to the people? You've got to get that first. And, and I, I do a, an exercise with my clients. I don't know if you've come across the seven levels of, of why. Dean Graziosi does the seven levels of why. Yes. So we dig in deep, 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 deep. Yeah. What is your bedrock reason? And actually, I did this on the call the other week and we, we got down to nine. We, we, we kept going. We kept going. So what is the purpose? Why are you doing this? That has to come first. Because that's going to be your north star. That's going to what hold you there when the brown stuff hits the fan, like nerves and everything else. Then you also are required to know who you're talking to, and that's very critical. Because if you know who your ideal audience is, as we've already said, Tyson, your messaging has to be directed to that person. And when you know who they are and what their issues are, how are they languaging it? How are they describing what they're saying? in their heads, or maybe typing into Google in the wee small hours. What are those individual words and phrases? Because if you can use those back to the client, back to your audience, you've got such a deep level of rapport because, as you say, they say, you get me. Tell me more. How can I work with you? You're literally speaking their their thoughts back to them. Mm. So those are the two very important ones to start with.
0: Okay. So they're the two, they're the, the starting two pillars Here's mm-hmm. your purpose. We have
1: purpose number and then people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can imagine this, these all seven have a, have the alliteration. They're all beginning okay, with P. Great. So we have purpose, we have people. Yeah. Then we have pain slash gain. What is mm-hmm. their problem? Where are they wanting to go? Mm-hmm. Then we come in number four with the power. How are we using our voice? This is where we, we start doing more on the, 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 the de- delivery, the, the artistry, if you will. Up until then, we've been doing the, the science background. Yeah. Then we can start to, you, how do you use your voice? Because there, as a rough guide, you're looking at about 40% of what you're saying is delivered vocally. Then we go on to physiology. Roughly 50% is dealt with visually. So that's um, how you use your facial expression, your hands. And if you're on Zoom, you can gesture down here or you like, but nobody can see it. Yeah. Where, where do you do it? what is that thing and there's also the thing about personal space you can have invading personal space on zoom just as you can in real life so things about the physiology Mm -hmm. then we have presence number six is about presence and that's something that's probably easier to define by its absence than its presence every pun intended you know when somebody's not with you boy do you know when somebody is fully present to you and that's really important as a speaker it's great on a one-to-one it's harder to do when you have a group there but there is a way of doing it and then the seventh pillar is the performance bringing it all together and that's where we look at the more some of the more technical stuff so if you're doing zoom stuff what about your lighting do you have a green screen where are you standing in terms of the, the distance between you and the frame? Where are your hands going? What's your microphone like? If you're on stage, things like mic packs. Ladies are notoriously bad at thinking about where am I gonna put the mic pack? I've been on stage in the past with the mic pack attached to a very strong piece of elastic on my knickers. Not fun that I'm just sort of generally putting that out there. Gentlemen tend to have pockets. We ladies tend to forget that. So little stupid things like that that may not be considered and how to get on stage in terms of your staging, your presence, how you use the stage, all of that sort of craft work is the seventh pillar of perform, of yeah, performance bringing it all together.
0: So I think wrapping up these, these seven, it'd be good for someone to recognise where the areas are that they can benefit the most in exploring, right? So whether Absolutely. it's the purpose, the, the person, you know, who you're talking to, mm-hmm. Whether it's the pain and the gain of understanding, you know, their their motivations, power, that's how mm-hmm. you use your voice, then physiology, mm-hmm. how you move and use your body. Personal space, of course, is a big part of the a, a big part of the physiology as well. Uh, yes. Presence is number six. Mm-hmm. And then the performance in general. So the lighting, Field, the yeah. microphone, the stage, how you use mm-hmm. that sort of equipment. These sort of things. So people can start to look and say, okay, where is an area that I can focus on most? Now do you go through all seven in order when you're working with someone to start to nail down these, these sort of platforms? We certainly do the, 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 purpose first. Okay. That that has to be
1: first. And then we do the people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, what I'll do Tyson, I've actually got a, an infographic on this. So I'll, I'll send that to you. You can pop in with the, the, um, the show notes as well.
0: Cool. Done deal.
1: Yeah. We, has to be purpose has to come first because that that's your building block that's your fundamental this is where i'm starting from and then if you know who you're talking to because you can as you put the spaghetti spray and pray how do you know it's going to meet meet with your audience's needs i mean you said in the in the bio intro it's matching your speaking in a way that your audience can hear and wants to hear and that is not just around business communication that's around all communication so you got teenagers you want them to clear their room how are you going to say it in a way that's going to make sense to them and it's going to be meaningful for them and Mm. they get something out of it
0: have you done that before
1: not with teenagers because i don't have any but yes i have worked with with parents who they who are speakers and they've gone actually i can do this with Mm. hmm?" i mean i did that in part of my clinical work because I was working with parents who were, were teenagers, particularly autistic children, and we, we got great breakthroughs because suddenly it made sense to the teenager. Well, why would I do it unless they've got something out of it?
0: Great. Well, what's the example there? What's the example for a kid who is, for a kid who needs to clean everything? What can the, what, what can the parent do to, to shift their communication in a way that benefits, benefits the kid?
1: What's going to be motivating to the child? adult young person what's going to be motivating to them and then you use that as the if you like the carrot
2: mm-hmm.
1: i mean I've, I've had people say to me but that's bribery and i've said tell me do you go to work out of a sense of duty or do you happily pick up the paycheck at the end of the month well it wouldn't work if i wasn't getting paid hmm. could that be looked at as bribery and when they look at it from that frame, they go, oh, okay. So it's finding something that's gonna motivate, that's gonna inspire the the other person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's about knowing your audience, what, what makes them tick? What are their drivers? And again, this is where we go, we go pretty deep into our ideal client. So your, your avatar, your ideal client, call them what you will, you know who they are. You get inside their skin, inside their head. How do they think? What's going to motivate them? And then you tap into that and then job done. Well, of course, I'm going to do that. I can Mm -hmm. see there's a purpose to it.
2: Totally. It's not
0: always your purpose. Wow. So we're we're focused on most with our purpose. Why am I saying this? Why am I sharing this? Why is, why do the audience need to hear it? Why is this so important? So going down those layers of ask yourself, why is this? Why, 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 why? And getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And then once you're starting to study your audience, I'm keen to ask you, What are some ways in which people can learn about their audience? Because I know there's so many different ways people can understand their Mm -hmm. avatar and their niche. What are some ways in which you suggest that anyone who's listening wants to learn more about their niche and audience? What are some exercises, some steps, some some things that they can do to to get those answers?
1: Sure. have a vague idea to start with, at least. I tend to, to suggest that people go for a common theme. Some people will go for gender. Some people will go for um, a, a, um, when I was talking to Trish Bishop a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about energetic footprint. So Mm -hmm. energetic signature, rather. So that could be your common thing. But whatever it is, you're going to have to narrow it down a bit because spraying and praying doesn't work. The idea is that you're talking to, from my perspective, you're talking to one person about one problem and how you can solve it. If you're that clear, you can get into their head. As I said, you you know, my my avatar document is a lady who is in her 50s. So I've got a 10 year border around it. She's a lady who's feeling as though time's running out. And I've I've listed lots and lots of criteria for her. Now, I've actually been in a a room where this avatar idea was talked about because people were going, well, if I go to one person, I'm actually excluding so many others. Well, with that frame in mind, ahead of this session, we were all sent somebody's avatar document. It was six pages long. It went into the the psychographics as well as the demographics. And we were all asked to highlight things that made sense to us, things that resonated to us. Now that room had all walks of life. We had ages, I think we had from 18 up to 80. We had male and female, we had gender orientations, we had um, spirituality orientations, we had people from employed um, entrepreneurs, a, a very big cross section. And every single one of us had highlighted something, more than one thing actually, in this allegedly one person document. So if I hadn't seen that with my own eyes, I probably wouldn't have believed it. But by niching down, by really being clear on who you're talking to, that clarity gives you a sense of authority and credibility. And then if you if you like your ideal person is in the middle of the bullseye, you're actually picking up people around the, every, at, around the periphery, around the edges, because you're so clear. They will come in on some of it. They may not be your absolute ideal bullseye, but they will pick up on so many things that they like about you. They, they trust about you because you're so credible, because you're making sense to them. And that's where I go with the avatar. The other thing to do is then not just think about, uh, when we're talking about the psychographics, what are their needs? What are their drivers? And and what's the emotional language that they're using to describe that? And I've got various um, um, templates and things that I get my, my clients to work through so that they can take that observer role, take that step back and go, okay, Let's look at this from their perspective. How are they feeling about it? Because the feeling words are where we really pick them up.
0: Mm I love it. And so do you do market research on search engines or books or, you know, blogs and articles? Where where is it that you find these answers? Once you know your niche and you get a little bit more specific about it, Mm -hmm. what is it that you recommend to to find these answers and to start to, you know, start to do that market research piece.
1: Sure. Well, one of the things I've, I've seen and, and, and experienced myself is when you know who you are, who your ideal audience is, where do they hang out on socials? Hmm. Are they in Facebook groups? Are they in LinkedIn groups? Are they on Insta? Where, where do they hang out? If they're on Facebook groups, I can particularly talk to that one. The um, look, look at the groups they're in. See what, what is getting noticed. What is the language that that is being used? And it's not just in the posts, it's in the comments. Because it's when somebody, if if somebody's put up a post that's got lots and lots and lots and lots of engagement, it's hit a nerve. What are people writing underneath? Look at the language, do some data mining on this and keep a record. I've I've got a spreadsheet actually of, of words that are always buzzwords, if you like, because those are the words that you then use in your copy, in your in your working in your 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 verbal stuff as well because those are the words that people are using i said it's back to back to exploring people's people's thoughts out loud i've also done um, surveys questionnaires if you will which have a combination of ticky boxes because nobody likes to see one which is open-ended 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 questions because it's going to be too much to do a combination the ticky boxes of things that you perceive are already important and specific open questions because again those open questions that require you to do writing will actually give you the language from their perspective not yours
0: very important very important Mm -hmm. so you're doing you're doing your market research for facebook groups especially when you're not necessarily looking at the post but the comments combination if if you've got a
1: post that is is really popular Mm that the the actual post will have made sense yeah so that will be something that sparked people's interest and then yes look at the comments so it's a combination what what was said because that's been enough of a hook so there will be something and if you're talking copywriting that'll be that'll be enough of a "Mm -mm, that's important now what's been said as a result okay
0: gotcha how do, you, how do you know when you're specific enough? Because I know many people are messaging around with their niche and their messaging of this is who I help and this is, this is how I help them. How <laughs> do you know when you started to nail that and you started to say, okay, maybe this is specific enough and it's landing and it's doing the right things? How do you know when you get to that piece? You can niche and niche and niche forever. <laughs>
1: the thing is at some point you've got to go, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Does it work? Are you, getting the, are you getting the interaction? If you are, yep, go with it. And the thing is that, that you may not have reached it now, but by working with the clients that you're there, I mean, originally, my I was saying that I work with women to improve their, their communication skills so they can speak their, their truth to millions. My message is getting to the women who are then prompting their men to go you need this <laughs> so from that perspective i'm still going to carry on because it's the women who are going to be picking up my message and they're going to be prompting their men folk so i'm happy to work with male or female mm-hmm. but that's where i'm so i can give you an example of just because you think you've got there keep working on it but don't go at it forever after until you launch because you'll never get going
0: okay yeah so a couple, a couple of key takeaways here. Get to the point where you need to put the message out there and you need to listen to the feedback, yes. right? Because it may be surprising. You may, mm-hmm. you may get some surprising uh, insights from what your audience is saying and then to just consistently test and tweak depending on the feedback. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, the other thing is for me, particularly, as I said, as a conscious communicator, I'm looking at the energetic connection mm. and having the, the presence and the power to say, actually, you're not the right fit for me. But I know somebody who I can introduce you to. Now, that's not to say that you're dumping them on somebody else, but you, you can perceive at a deep level that it, it's not the right fit for you. Mm. Because the thing is, if you take on somebody who's not the right fit for you, it's going to be an energy vampire situation. And that's that's not good for you as an as a as a business owner. And you're not going to be serving your client. So yeah. that's the other thing I would I would caution people to think about. Not just, as I said, not just about the demographics and the psychographics, but how and what's the, the energetic connection as well?
0: Yeah. And I know you touched upon it, but what would you what's your advice what's your sell for someone who is scared about niching scared about going too specific and their language might be too broad might be too vague where it's not really Mm -hmm. learning with anyone but they just don't want to cut anyone out they just don't want to you know they're like i'm not too sure what my specific niche is or specific message Mm -hmm. is that's where i find that the biggest hurdle is someone's like well i don't know how to niche down i don't know what to focus on what do you think some of the fears are there? And what do you, what, what's some advice for someone you have? What's some advice you have for someone who's in that confusion stage?
1: Sure. FOMO, I suggest, is the biggest problem there. I don't want to exclude anybody. I don't want to miss anybody out. And, and that's, a, that's a lovely space to come from. However, we don't all like the same flavour of ice cream. You're not going to be right for everyone. And unless you are clear and and you can, you can test and measure this, you can test and tweak, as you say, and it may be that you, you've narrowed it down to two or three. And in that case, you're going to have to have two or three specific messages. That's an awful lot of work. So what I would suggest then is try one, you haven't excluded the others. You're going to come back to them. You're still keeping, as you say, a loving, safe space for them. But go with one of them. Focus on that. Get your messaging. Does it does it land with them? And try that one first. And if that one doesn't work, okay, let's look at the next person. If you try and do all things to all people, you're not going to get anywhere. It is the spaghetti on the wall.
0: Totally. Uh-huh. This, this is also what um, was said to me. Is that a lot of people who are struggling with their message, they struggle niching down because they don't want to, they don't want to disregard anyone and they don't want to have few clients. They don't want to have people come to them and then they say, Oh, that doesn't resonate with me. So they're scared of losing clients. Yeah. But they're scared of losing the clients they don't have. They don't have yes. any clients right now, right? Yeah. They don't have they don't have they don't have much to lose because they don't have many clients flowing through. They don't have a consistent flow of leads. And mm-hmm. and so that is where I say you have nothing to lose by going more specific and saying, okay, what is a message I can test out just to mm-hmm. see what what's going to happen here? What what might be a really good fit for my audience? Let's focus more on a specific niche. More on a specific challenge, more on a specific outcome and transformation that they may be asking for, and then see if it lands, see if it resonates, see what feedback you can get, and test and tweak after that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Is that what you and would again, recommend it's also are? sorry for interrupting. It's it's also definitely from the perspective of this other person, mm-hmm. because I I can I can tell you I'm the next I'm the, the best thing since sliced bread. However, if you don't like bread, that's no point. So it's again, it's putting yourself in the position of the other person, whoever you decide to try out. It's like an act, like a, be like a method actor, put on the other person's character, live in their shoes. What is it that's irking them? What is it that's causing them that pain? And how are they describing it? And as you say, if if you, if you don't know, you've got nothing to lose. You're not going to lose anybody if you're in that broad situation. So, method acting
0: darling yeah and i think i think it's important what you said before as well it doesn't mean you can't help those who are outside the niche it doesn't mean you can't help that you know someone who just comes to you and says look i'm not sure if this is me but this is what i think you can help me with of course you can help them it's just Mm -hmm. you go specific with your communication right? That's a very big difference. And even when you are very specific with your communication, specific with your niche and your avatar and, you know, the challenges that you solve, like you said, it'll start to pick up people around the edges as well, around the edges of that Mm -hmm. target because you've been specific to start with. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that people can think about. Okay. How can I get more specific? How can I make it more clear? How can I make this more compelling And, Mm -hmm. um, and put that in my communication? Um, mm. But what do you think is the next piece? Once someone is more specific, is it to go down into understanding more of their language, more of their pain points, and and yes. what it is they're after? Is that where you sort of go next in exploring yes. that niche?
1: Yeah, because as I said, if if you if you're inside the skin of the other person, you're knowing what is it that's driving them, what are the needs that they're that are unfulfilled at the moment, and so what's what's the motivation? I mean, we have got some fairly basic. Basic needs. I mean, you're familiar with Tony Robbins' six human needs of certainty, uncertainty, love and connection, significance, growth and contribution. Somewhere in there, what they're missing is missing. Mm -hmm. So, what is it that they will gain from you if you tick those boxes? The other thing that I also work with is looking at making sure that the message includes visual words auditory words kinesthetic words what i call the thinky words the the auditory digital from a from an nlp perspective because we have different ways of perceiving different ways of of thinking and, and processing so those words are required to bring in unless you know a very specific person that you're working with a lot of my guys tend to be visual so they're short sharp bullet points don't give me long stories i'm i'm not interested they're not details-focused people. They're big-picture people. So if I was to go in with giving them chapter and verse and a lot of story around it, I've lost them. Bored. <laughs> Move on. Mm-hmm. And we do only have four seconds to make an impression these days. It used to be seven. It's gone down to four.
0: Damn.
1: Because we're I've so lost used three to three seconds. Swipe. 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 So that's why it's important to get that. Right off the,
0: the um, off the bat hook. Okay. Well what's something what's some, what's a way in people can find that answer so that if they have their niche, how do they find out if their person is more auditory, more kinesthetic, more you know, more visual? I know the vast majority of people are more visual and you're saying to add those three words, but also how mm. do you how do you start to understand more of your communication of how you can craft it towards their perspective? How do you how do you find those answers?
1: One of the things I do is when, I aren't, when I'm working with clients, I'll put it out, just, just ask them, so where in my messaging did I get you? Where did you think, yep, she's got me, that, that, that's, that's, that was the pivotal point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And look at the language around that. If you're on stage, this is where it gets really tricky because you've got to do things on multiple levels, as well as remembering what you're saying, you're scanning the audience, what worked, what landed. On a one-to-one, that's much easier, clearly. But again, it's in, it's in inhabiting the ideal client. And if you if your ideal client is a visual person, then that's what you predominantly go with. Yeah, you throw in a few of the other words by the by, because that's picking up the peripheral people. But you focus on the person that you're really working with. And that, you know, I, I said in the bio about... Um, negotiating significant bonuses one of my clients because she knew that her audience were all visual and she herself is an ill auditory person she can yawn for goodness sake however she knew that on that occasion she had to cut it right down actually she did a powerpoint she gave bullet points and they all went yeah that makes sense i'll vote for you and her client her staff got the, the bonuses and not the other guys because she knew her audience makes
0: sense totally totally and where where would you say is there a difference in using this language if someone is to do a video or a Facebook live compared to written if they're doing written posts if they're doing blogs um, or even compare that to doing a podcast where they might not even be seeing you then they're mm-hmm. just hearing your auditory does does some of this sort of start to change and shift as you use the different mediums while someone's doing their marketing
1: yes and no I mean the Whilst the, I mean, the auditory is not just about the sound. It's also about words like resonate, um, ping, and you know, all the, those, those sound, those words that have some form of auditory element to them, as opposed to, say, something that's clear and all and, in terms of, do you feel me would be more of a kinesthetic phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it make sense is more of the, the, the thinky bit, the cerebral bit. So if you just drop in a few of these words as you're going, i mean i i tend to if i'm in a in a visual pre, in a face to face presentation i will say at the end so does that make sense to you uh, is that clear does it resonate with you did you get that so i will trot out all four of them just to make sure that i've landed mm. and and get the feedback from them and again it's acutely watching your audience what is it particularly on a one to one what is it that they've gone yeah Where's the nod come? Where, where are the eyes lit up? It's that, that very clear understanding of reading nonverbals as well. Mm.
0: So, if they're on stage, if they're speaking one to one with someone where they can see them, if they're speaking mm-hmm. in a Zoom room or a breakout room mm-hmm. of some sort,
2: mm-hmm.
0: having the conscious awareness to look at the audience and say, okay, where is it that they might lean in or they might have that area of focus? Where is it that they might, you know, pick a a little energy of curiosity or something like mm. that, where mm. you can see if something's landing or if something's not landing, if something, if they're just like, as soon as you say something, they start to drift off and, and you you lose them and keeping that as a, a the internal feedback, right? So yes. the internal feedback of like, okay, let's take some notes and say, okay, that worked, that didn't mm. work. That might be something I could shift. Is that something that you'd recommend for, for your clients Definitely. to consistently Definitely. track?
1: Definitely. Yes. You reflect on it. Now, as I said, it's actually quite tricky to do in the moment, because in the moment, you're wanting to keep going and remembering what you're going to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And very often, if you can have somebody watching the audience on your behalf and taking notes, if, if it's a big group, it's difficult when you're in a Zoom room because we, we, we're hardwired for novelty. so. If you've got a big gallery, like we have the the Serving Circle, we've got a lot of people there. Somebody scratches their head and your eyes go over there. Somebody picks up something and your eyes go over there. So you're constantly dotting around. And at that point, being present is actually very difficult because we are hardwired for this this novelty, this change around. So as I said, if you can, I mean, with the Zoom calls, go back and watch the recording. Then you've got the opportunity because the other thing is, when you're on a zoom call if you are giving eye contact which is what i'm doing at the moment i'm looking directly at the camera i'm not looking at you because if i look at you i'm looking down Mm -hmm. okay so if you're presenting on a zoom call and you're giving eye contact you're looking directly at the camera you're not necessarily picking up what's going on at the time so that that's something to hold in tension how are you going to do it if you've got two or three it's quite easy because you just put the central the central thing down so that the person that you're talking to is immediately under the camera. So it doesn't look as though it's too big a difference. But if I was looking over there, um, then it, it's a bit clearer that where, where is she? She's not talking to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Again, that's, that, that's the, something, that's something awesome. I can improve on because my, my computer is big. So my computer is big and the, I have an external camera on the top. So mm. when I'm in the Zoom room uh, and there's, you know, 20, 30 people in there, it, the, the windows can be quite small. And mm. so I'm always trying to shift the person who's speaking and shift their little Zoom uh, box to the top.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but even when I'm talking, I generally look around the room instead of at the camera. So mm. that's something I but can... that's
1: fine. If that, if that works for you, then, then great. The issue is, I mean, in the the collab course, we're we're there for collaboration. Mm -hmm. It's not as though we're selling anything. If you're in in a situation where you're providing training or there's a call to action, particularly at the end, then looking directly at the camera is really important Mm -hmm. because you're showing your presence. You're showing your, again, back to the credibility, showing that, yeah, I've got this, and you, you would be as well to to come on board with this because I can give you so much of what you want. Gotcha. It's one of those those fine lines between knowing, again, knowing the situation and what's going to work best for you. You can't necessarily do it in in a Zoom call live, but as I said, you can go back afterwards, listen to what you're saying and scan and you can maybe see when somebody's turned off or when somebody, as you say, has leaned in. And that's the data mining. That's where you you write down the exact words.
2: Cool. It's
1: a slow process, but once you get hold of it, you can really see. Yeah, that word resonates. That word resonates. That got a good reaction.
2: Mm.
1: Oh, that one didn't. Uh-uh, let's lose that.
0: Gotcha. What What do you think? What do you think are some of the the fears people have with their communication? Because I know there's so many people who struggle with this if they're getting on a zoom call and they're presenting or they're wanting to pitch something, or they're just even wanting to explain who and what they are and what they do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of internal, there's a lot, there can be a lot of doubt and fears come up there. What do you, what are some of the fears that you've noticed from the people that you work with? And how do you help create that shift so that when they do that, they're more, they're more confident and calm. Mm
1: -hmm. Biggest fear is the fear of rejection. We also then have the fear of the imposter syndrome. Why would people listen to me? What if they don't like me? That that fear of rejection is probably the biggest one. And that that sits deep, deep within the psyche. Not everybody's going to like you. And that's okay. Again, I go back to the ice cream thing. In terms of the, the imposter syndrome, what we think of as common sense, yeah, what's common sense to me is rocket science to you. And I forget that because my experience, what we often do, sweeping generalization here, is that we generalize. We think that my experience of life, you, you've done exactly the same. And of course you know what I'm talking about, so why would I share it with you? Because you know you know the same thing. And we both know that that ain't the case. You can have two people in the same situation viewing at eti- it, viewing things from a totally different perspective. So for as far as the imposter syndrome is concerned, and forgive me using a bit of jargon there if, if any of your listeners, any of our listeners, are not familiar with that, it's when you think, why do I who's going to listen to me? I'm I'm nothing special. But actually, as I said, My my common sense, it could be somebody else's rocket science and it's sharing that. So that's where I go to with the imposter syndrome. As I said, with the, the sense of rejection, potential rejection, not everybody is gonna like you. And that's one of those life lessons, which is hard to go for. But the thing is, it's not about you. It's about your audience. If you can get over your nerves because, well, they don't know what you're gonna say. How do they know if you're going to get it right? They don't know what you're going to say.
2: Only you do. Mm. And if you can develop that thinky feeling, a thinky look,
1: if you lose your way, and this is actually uh, statistics on this, they've done some research on this. If somebody pauses in the middle of a presentation, the longer they pause, the more intelligent that they appear. How cool is that?
0: What if it's for like 20 minutes?
1: I don't know. It's, it's a little bit too much. <laughs> you've, got, you've got that. There's an optimum time. And you've also got this sort of thinky look. Because if, if you go... Plus the... um, Then it's a bit clear that you've lost your way. But if you, as I said, if you can develop that
2: thinking
1: pose, as long as what comes out of your mouth next is worth waiting for, Nobody need know that under the surface you're paddling furiously. And that's certainly something that I cultivate with my clients.
0: Totally. I can feel when someone is presenting to have those skills and reminders to fall back on if they aren't too clear or they lose their way, it can often help them just be more calm with realizing oh, it doesn't need to be exactly the way my mind thinks it should be. It doesn't need to be this flawless presentation mm. of just flow but it can there can actually be pauses and it can actually be different levels and depths and all those different things i think that's really mm. cool so there's some things people and actually can work while on. we're
1: on that subject while we're on that subject if i can we're talking about the imposter syndrome very often in networking meetings when somebody is telling you about what they do they tend to tail off at the end There could be a bit of mm. in english it's the end of the sentence that carries the weight that often carries the important stuff. And just because I know what I do, and if I'm coming to the serving circle week by week, I'm assuming that everybody in the serving circle knows what I do as well. That plus imposter syndrome often means that we lose the end of what people are saying or we can lack the passion about it, particularly if it's something, if if it's our pitch that we know so well, because I get bored with it. Yeah, but the other people haven't always heard. Mm. So when you are doing your pitch, if you will, add that passion in. I was on a networking meeting a couple of weeks ago when we had to say what we were doing. And then we would have another question like, um, what did you have for tea last night? Or where are you going on your vacation? And the energy shift between the two things was palpable. And I was saying, now take that amount of passion into what you do. And how you're describing it. And I was, oh, yeah, that's a good one. In fact, Tyson, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna pop that in as a quick video on the the um, serving circle post this week. Totally. Just as a reminder to people that maintain the energy, maintain the passion.
0: Exactly. I think like, and people hear that in your voice, because we when when people hear that that vibration, that energy, that frequency that is that's portrayed that it sort of signifies that that heart and brain the heart and mind uh coherence where what you're saying is exactly what you're feeling it's exactly the it's what you're passionate about it's your heart i mean when i talk about when i when i when i have my group coaching calls and those calls you know they can go for like two two and a half hours and then um the clients are leaving i'm like where are you just going i'm like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done here. And, and they would, and they find it funny, but for me, it's, it's cause I just love discussing these things, love coaching, love talking about it and it's effortless. And so yeah. for that to be in, for that to be in your marketing, in your messaging, in your communication from a place of heart, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect. You know, people, you know, it, it can, it can flow and it can have all the personality involved as well. And I think that's what people can also fall back on is realizing, oh, I just need to be me. As long as I'm me, and as long as I'm doing it from a place of authenticity, I can pile everything you're saying here in terms of those, you know, those seven pillars. I can pile all of those in my reminders and just start to work through them. But as long as I'm me, those who are going to resonate are going to resonate. Those who aren't, aren't. And that relieves any of the fears and the objections and the, um, and the nerves. Is that what you found? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as I said, it's, it's not about me putting myself out there. It's about the message going back to the purpose. Why is it so important? Well, it's important because the people are wanting to hear this. Mm -hmm. They are who I'm focused on. Sorry. Raise my hands. They are the people that I'm focused on and it's not about me. It's all about them.
2: Mm.
0: Wow. I think that's a reminder that is pretty consistent because Every fear is you inside you. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you say, hey, who am I here to help? Who am I here to serve? What difference am I here to make? You get outside yourself and into them. And when you're in them, that's when, you're, that's when your action steps, your communication, your messaging is going to be more, more targeted, more enthusiastic, more passionate. Because we light mm-hmm. up when we're serving. We light up when we're on a mission, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's important. So what, what do you think in summarizing all this, What do you think are some of the key takeaways or questions people can ask themselves or reminders they can have when they're working on their communication and working on their marketing each week?
1: Biggest thing is why am I doing this and who am I doing it for? And what are they saying to themselves? Because if I can use those words to that person, they know that we've got that deep level of rapport. Mm -hmm. And it's that rapport, it's that connection that people want. Very often, I mean, uh, is it um, Richard Branson was saying that that people don't buy your what, they buy your why? Mm. I may have misheard that, it could have been somebody else. But people buy buy your why. They want to know why is this important to you? Because if it's not important to you, your passion won't be there. And you may have a wonderful gizmo gadget, but if you're not passionate about it, so what? It's that head and heart connection. If the head and heart connection is there, you're in alignment, you're in integrity, it comes out in your voice. And, you, and I say voice, but I'm talking about communication in general, the whole nine yards. And that's, that's what i I'm, yeah, it's conscious communication.
0: Totally. Beautiful. Well, I know this is something that an area and a topic that everyone wants to work on and something that people know they need to so where can they find out more about you i know you're going to put some links in the show notes as well where can they find out more about you all about what all about the work you're doing and how they can benefit from this conscious communication
1: sure well the there's a courageous influential speakers group on facebook it's an open group come on in sign up and you just sort of join the group and, and there are bits and tips and tricks that get popped in there every so often and I did a five-day challenge, ooh, August? No, it was June into July. Golly, it's a long time ago. And from there, I've also then created the Courageous Influential Speakers Academy. Now that's the paid program. So there will be two groups. You won't be able to see the Academy. It's not, op- it's not a, an open source one, but that's for the, the, the folks that are, are on the, in the Academy. Now that I'm opening for a two-week free pass every quarter so the next one is probably going to start well we've got christmas in the way nobody wants to do anything on the run-up to christmas because it's too much to consider i will be doing some marketing around that but we'll probably do that the fir- the last two weeks in july uh, january because for, for those of you who are not antipodean australia and new zealand the new year doesn't start till february i've discovered so we're starting the new year at the beginning of February, and that's where we'll, we'll bring in the, the new guys into the academy. So, yes, there's this Courageous Influential Speakers group page on Facebook. Come in, take as much information as you want out of there. Feel free to join in. Please do. What are the situations that you're facing? Is there somebody else and or me who can support you with that? Get involved. I've also got a LinkedIn presence as active as would be sensible that's that's on my list of things to do to get more of an, a linkedin presence i have a, can, a scheduling calendar you can always pop me on there and just get in touch let's jump on a zoom call see what works for you and we can even if you don't sign up a discovery call we can talk about where's the best thing What what are the, the tips and tricks i can give you immediately to improve on things
0: cool great and anytime you can create just that slight tweak in your communication, leads to a big, big, big difference. So I think yes. those those uh, ripple, yeah, you got, got it. The ocean. So anything else that's on your heart? Anything else you want to share that would that would make this conversation feel complete?
2: Just the conscious
1: communication thing. It's about not just opening your mouth and dribbling out what comes. Be conscious about who you're talking to, what's going to be the best way of speaking with them. It's Back to the it's
0: allaboutthem.com. Mm-hmm. Well, for everyone who's listening, I look forward to seeing the shifts in your marketing and in your messaging and in your communication when you start to implement some of these tips. It's been awesome. And, and like I said, that ripple effect will just create uh, a, a, big, a big wave because every single time you, mm-hmm. you test and tweak, you get the feedback and it's just this feedback loop time and time and time. you of to just mastering your communication until you nail that sort of the methodology and the framework and the, and the verbiage where people just get it. They get it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the serving circle. Um, everyone I'm going to put the links below so you can reach out to Wendy and, and grab some of the free resources and, jo- and joining her Facebook group. You're going to love her energy and all her tips. So definitely jump on board, but Wendy, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Tyson. Great time. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to the Awake in Your Business podcast. If you're a heart-centered business owner, you know that selling, marketing, and business strategy can bring up a lot of fear, doubt, and scarcity. And this is why I created the community on Facebook called The Serving Circle. It's in here where you get to grow your business as a byproduct of asking the question, how may I serve? It's on our weekly Zoom collaborative calls, where you get to serve by meeting like-minded people and organizing collaborations, service exchanges and partnerships so together we can heighten consciousness through business success. So just search The Serving Circle in your Facebook groups and you'll see that you're just one heartfelt collaboration away from reaching your biggest business goal. Take care now.